<laughs> good morning, good morning. We are dancing in with Soul Mikasa, Mano Dibango. This is Charlotte Farrell, your own sister C, right here in the place to be, CJSF Radio 90.1, with your Friday Speak Up show. Have we got a treat in store for you. Good morning, this is Charlotte Farrell, and I do have a treat for you. Today you're going to be hearing a recording of another show that will be periodically featured, powered by age program put together, led by seniors 55 and older, sponsored by the 411 Center and the City of Vancouver. Today, this group is talking about food and nutrition. Special guest is Counselor Sarah Kirby-Young and Anthony Coopersmith, the Executive Director of the West End Seniors Network. Mm, you got to get some tasty information. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Powered by Age. This is our Formed and Led by Seniors, and today, well, I'm Charlotte Farrell, I'm the host, and today we have a special team that's going to be making a presentation. But what we usually do is ask each person to introduce themselves briefly, and then Sylvie will be introducing our special guest. Yes, I'm Leslie Hebert. I live in New Westminster, a member of Century House and New Westminster Council of Women and uh, the Royal City Literary Arts Society. Uh, I'm an ESL teacher. I teach online. I'm also a writer. I write short stories and poetry. And uh, the New Westminster Council of Women is kind of a political advocacy group. So that's another of my interests and uh, very interested in what's going on here at age. Oh, yes. I'm Gail Harwood. I'm a member of 411 Seniors. Uh, I also am a writer. I'm working on, uh, on getting my first novel, uh, sending it to an agent. And I also uh, tutor online. Uh, and I, I enjoy that very much after, after many years of teaching. Uh, can't keep away from it. <laughs> and it also helps with the, uh, with the money coming in. Um, and anything else? I'm, uh, so that's me for today. Okay, Neil. Uh, well, I think uh, Sylvie is going to introduce me later on as uh, as a poet, but uh, I'm a writer and a poet and uh, an all round uh, happy. Hi, I'm Robin. I am one of the mentors on the, the Powered by Age team. I'm a radio maker and an arts facilitator. Um, I have a real passion um, to bring people's voices or elevate people's voices, um, help them find their voice and, uh, and what really excites them. So excited to be here too. My name's Luke. Um, I provide tech support and consulting for 411 and uh, some other groups as well. As you mentioned, 411, 411 and the city of Vancouver are the sponsors for this podcast series, podcast program. Okay, now I'm going to turn you over to our uh, facilitator for today who will introduce herself and our special guest. Sylvia. Hi, I'm Sylvia Anderson. I'm a member of the West End Seniors Network and I volunteered to do this podcast. It's my maiden flight today, so I'm going to ask your indulgence um, because we have a full lineup and um, are, we have two, two special guests today who are very busy people. So um, if I interrupt you and cut you off at the semicolon, um, please um, just bear with me. I'm trying to keep us on track. So yes, our, our theme today for this show is 
of food and nutrition. And we have two guests. The, the first one um, is um, Counselor Sarah Kirby Young, and she's going to talk to us about her initiative to bring back uh, corner grocery stores to the neighborhood. And the second one is Anthony Kupferschmidt, who is the executive director of West End Seniors Network. And he's going to be talking about the response during the pandemic to the food issues that seniors have in, in the West End. So hopefully he will be joining us a, a little later in the podcast. Um, so um, we are also having um, one of our own, our very own uh, members doing a, a segment on mindful eating. And um, of course, Neil's poem, it's awesome. It's an awesome poem and right on point. So, but before all that, um, we are going to take a look at a few facts about nutrition. So, Luke, hit it. Hit the video. <laughs> Thank hit you. the video. Okay, this is the, <laughs> this is the Food Groups Are Rocking video? It yes. is. Okay. Stand by one second. You can talk among yourselves. <laughs> you can join in if you want to see. Can you see it there? Yes. yes. All right, here we go. It helps you build strong muscles so you can play all day. 
So now, now we know what to eat to keep us healthy. But what we want to explore is how accessible to seniors is nutritious food. <laughs> and so I'm going to introduce our first guest before being elected to Vancouver City uh, Council. She was a commissioner, an NPA commissioner with the Vancouver um, Park Board. She's committed to a vibrant Vancouver and is interested in affordable living and seniors issues and uh, community um, involvement among other things. It's my pleasure to introduce Councillor Sarah Kirby-Young. Welcome. Thank you Sylvie and thank you everybody for the warm welcome. I'm very happy <laughs> to be here. I'm very happy to have you here. I know you're crazy busy at, at this time. So we, um, we have we have had a lot of council meetings yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, I listened to uh, some of the discussion of, with, of your motion, and yeah, it's, uh, it takes a lot of time. You, uh, you were recently um, successful in having your motion to bring back corner grocery stores um, passed by the city council. So um, I wonder if you could tell us um, why you decided to bring the motion and what the main part, points are. Sure. Um, can everybody hear me okay? A little bit up, please. A little bit louder. How, how's that? That's good. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I just I, it's something that I've always been interested in in terms of local amenities and and building communities that are what we call you know in planning language complete communities, but essentially just places where you can actually easily live your daily life. And um, so I always thought a lot about that. It's the reason that I joined the Vancouver Park Board um, and ran for Park Board the first time um, because I was really passionate about local parks and services like that. Um, and I'm also passionate about small business. Um, and prior to COVID, um, I always followed with interest the stories around when someone was trying to restore a corner store or when another corner store was being lost from a neighborhood um, when there was a development going in, for example, and oftentimes got replaced by um, not similar services. So, you know, a sleep country, a bank, a bubble tea place and started to sort of see that there were different communities that were losing those local services. Um, but more than that, I think the gathering places for neighborhoods and also the opportunity for social connections. Um, and also at the same time in the year and a half now um, that I've been on city council for my first term, we have a lot of discussion around the importance of building those complete communities and that we want people to be able to, you know, walk and take transit and have access to those services. But at the same time, we're losing a lot of those things. We're putting in new developments and density, but we're not necessarily putting in the amenities that for me, Kind of create community and support quality of life so i had thought all of that before covid then we have covid and we're in this new world that everybody's navigating through and it became really apparent i think how 
important food security is and food access. Um, and with people being nervous about going to larger grocery stores, being nervous to get on transit, um, having to perhaps travel further to get their daily needs. I know for me, I live in the Canby area and we have a lot of new development, but I don't have a corner store that I can go to and walk to to buy bread or milk or eggs myself. And so that means I have to get on the Canada line or I have to take my car. Um, and that just didn't seem to make sense. So I think with COVID, um, and I call it the silver lining to the COVID cloud, it's causing us to have an opportunity to really think very carefully about how we're going to build our communities. And so I thought this was an opportunity to bring the motion. Um, and Sylvie asked, Sylvie asked also what was in the motion. It was called uh, Corner Grocery Stores in 21st Century Vancouver and how to achieve complete communities and food-friendly neighborhoods. And so it's about, it's not, um, I think, I'm not meaning to not be realistic that we can have everything that once was, um, but it's how do we achieve that moving forward. So how do we maintain and protect the corner stores that we have? How do we make it easier to restore some of those? And how do we make access to local food easier in neighborhoods? So for example, it could be things like allowing small cafes and restaurants in your neighborhood to be able to sell food supplies. So you, some of you in your different neighborhoods may have seen that the little local cafe all of a sudden is, you know, that may not be open yet or just has the door open all of a sudden is selling bread, right? Or milk or eggs or um, some interesting foodstuffs. Um, and I think that that's a good way of expanding forward. So I tried to sort of focus on both short-term things that could happen, um, such as allowing those stores to sell um, product there, um, or the urban farms and those small sort of urban farms or community gardens in different neighborhoods in the city. And right now they can grow in certain areas of the city, but they can't sell some of the local produce. So those would be two what I would call um, early actions or quick wins that could happen. Um, and so the motion did pass um, at council. It was great to have the support. And we will get a report back in the fall. And that's what I expect a couple of those um, early opportunities would be. The second part of the motion was around looking more to long-term planning. So as the city of Vancouver is undertaking something called the Vancouver Plan that you may have heard about, which is a long-range planning exercise and a goal to get everybody involved in what, what, what's the Vancouver we want? What does it look like That's moving forward? And so, yes, my um, thought is let's make that part of the conversation um, of what is a complete, what is a complete community? So again, not just what type of, of homes you're building and where you're building them. Do you have enough parks? Are you bringing the local food stores? And also too, that recognizing it's really expensive in Vancouver, um, not just for residents, but also for businesses. And so can we, from a planning perspective, have policies that have smaller commercial units, they call them CRUs for commercial um, rental units, to make it more affordable for those small shops to set up business or to have some kind of incentive program, for example, if a building is being redeveloped, that those tenants can come back. Um, so that you could try to keep them in the neighborhood. And I think the last thing um, that might be, might be good to share is that our planning policies have put all of our commercial activity, if you notice on the busy main arterial streets, and so you have these sort of commercial zones like Broadway and South Granville and Mount Pleasant and West Forth, um, and those are great, but we haven't allowed having some uses like a corner store in residential neighborhoods, and that's a bit why they're a legacy and have become kind of a historical anomaly, whereas before we would have allowed some of those uses. So 
could we look at our planning policy and try to enable those happening so that they can be more spread in the city and don't just have to be on those busy roads and further away and people can walk to them. So that's that was kind of the spirit behind it. It it didn't necessarily mean that we were going to have exactly what the corner store looked like, you know, of yesteryear, um, although I love them. Um, but some of the ones that you have seen that have been um, renovated or come back, they're a combination of a little cafe now as well as a grocery store. Um, and you see both of those options, and that's not a bad thing, but it still serves the same function. Um, I think the other thing was to really talk about the unique history. There's a lot of cultural history. Um, a lot of the corner stores in the past were run by different cultural minorities who came here and worked super hard, often seven days a week, to try to sort of make it better for the next generation. Um, and what happened then is that some of them also specialized in specific cultural foods. And before we started to see some of those mainstream food items in our big grocery stores, that was the only place that people of specific cultural groups could get them or other folks could have the opportunity to experience that too. Um, and so I think that's an important piece and a legacy. If you look at something like Chinatown, for example, one of the things that the Chinatown seniors have been most concerned about is the loss of the greengrocers sure. and the grocery stores because culturally people, and you know, my husband is Chinese um, and my mother-in-law, like you go shopping every day for your fresh vegetables, right? That day or the next day, because it would be wrong for you to like stock up and get it for a week because it's not fresh, right? So you, you would go and you would purchase it and, and it's both sort of in terms of, you know, that they felt it was better quality food and you're feeding your family better, um, but it's also a show, social outing, right? And an opportunity for engagement. And so you break down, I think especially for, for seniors and different cultural groups, you're breaking down that <coughs> connectivity, right? And that structure. So that might be a long answer to your question. Well, but it's, <laughs> but. It's, 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 it's jam packed with all kinds of good information there. And um, uh, we have a couple of minutes to ask questions for the, for the participants to ask questions. I've put my uh, email address in the chat in case you don't have a chance to have your uh, question answered in the time or if you can't think of one off the top of your head. And if uh, the councillor doesn't mind, if, if people have questions following this, I, I can forward them on to her. Yeah, uh, I'd love to, love to take questions. Happy to okay. do that. So I, I think that Charlotte is going to manhandle the, um, or uh, handle, not manhandle, woman handle <laughs> the question. <laughs> uh, so. Person, person handle? Person handle. Person handle, yes. Who has a question? We have about five minutes to divide between. Okay, Leslie. Yeah, uh, it's a comment rather than a question, but um, this issue is also an issue in other municipalities, not just Vancouver. Um, from my personal experience, I live in the west end of New Westminster, which um, it's kind of stuck between Burnaby and New Westminster. It's kind of a funny situation. But when I first moved in here, we had a family grocery store three blocks away. We had a convenience store, a branch of the Royal Bank, a dry cleaners, all kinds of local services. They're now all gone. We now have a 7-Eleven. Um, Aunt Leah's has taken over the corner store, so it's now an office. Um, yeah, so the bank has gone, everything. So we can't walk anymore. There is a bakery, um, but there's no place to get fresh vegetables anymore. Uh, the closest fresh vegetable store now is about a 15-minute walk away. So, yeah, it's happening everywhere. Okay. I think you're right. I think you're right, Leslie. And I think that that's 
COVID does give us the chance to rethink a, a lot mm. of things. You know, this is just one of them. Um, but but you're right, because if you can't walk anymore, what what is the point of creating those local communities, right? Mm. Oh. And also from the point of view of the environment for, you know, reducing our carbon footprint, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Robin, did you have a question about how we could support this or what needs, what's the next step? Uh, no, but it does make me, it does make me wonder, um, you know, if this is sort of a wholesale done deal with the city of Vancouver or if it's, still on the table and if if the the citizens need to push <laughs> and I, if there are things that we can do to help that push because holy smokes i mean i live on commercial drive so i have access to to any number of little green grocers and corner stores and things but i can't imagine living somewhere where i didn't have that access yeah, I think the answer is yes, it's always, citizens can always push and it's always a good thing um, because motions come to council, they get passed, staff have lots of work to do, um, then they get into the specifics and they think, oh, some things are doable and some aren't or there's challenges and so it's always good. Um, and, and you can write into mayor and council on any topic at any time. Um, the next step for this motion will be a report in the fall um, and at that time, and I could certainly let this group know when I know what that date is and when it's coming, is that, you know, take a look at it um, and have a have a look. And if you have a comment or a point of view and you think that, you know, it's hitting the right note on something or it's missing something, it's great to hear from you. So you can email your council. Um, all our meetings are virtual now like this. You guys have this technology down, obviously. Um, this means smoother than some of our council meetings, I just have to say. Um, because we've had some technical issues, but you can uh, you can call in virtually. So you know all of our means are virtual. If you want to call in and speak to it, and express why it's important to you or to your your neighborhood or community, um, I think it's great for council to hear those voices. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Is that uh, is that good for now? We're good for now. I think Gail has a question. Okay, I just, Sorry. Yeah, uh, I just have a, a, a comment and a question. Um, yeah, I uh, live in East Van, and uh, we have our Super Save, which is about a uh, 10-minute uh, walk, but I, I've got bad arthritis and, you know, a resurgence of stuff, so uh, I can't walk that anymore. So that's, um, but um, on, uh, uh, at uh, Fraser and 24th, there's this wonderful place called La Batard, and it's a cafe and grocery. And there's a place called Gigi's over at uh, Cartier and... Uh, uh, West 70th, uh, where a friend of mine lives, and a game, cafe, and groceries, and it's a fabulous mix. And, you know, you can sit down, have a coffee, buy some stuff for home, a can of soup or whatever. Um, so my question is this, um, what, what is the um, uh, pushback about uh, people wanting to sell their surplus at community gardens? Um, I think it's just something that has, and I, I've, I've been to the Cafe La Batard, so that's a great example, and might have taken a few things home, um, which may be popular at home. Um, but I, I think the challenge has been that oftentimes either the city hasn't done something, and so Vancouver tries to regulate for every possible outcome, right? So staff are trying to be diligent and do their job. They don't have a lot of risk tolerance sometimes, so they try to plan every outcome, um, and sometimes it's over-regulation. And that's why I think it's good, like, for example, with the motion I brought forward at council around extending patios and letting the restaurants have temporary patios so people could sit outside, it's healthier, and support them. It took a pandemic to be able to push on some of those policies. 
Um, so sometimes it's the fact we haven't done something and then they have to study, you know, and try to figure out every possible outcome. And other times it's because we have a regulation. It, it's just not flexible and it doesn't support it. Yeah. Um, and so for the selling from the urban farms, I think it's around food safety um, and because we haven't done it before. I suspect it. Yeah. yeah. And for things like Cafe La Tarte or others, it's licensing because when you apply for your business license, people get put into one category. They're, you know, a liquor primary or they're a restaurant or they're a cafe or they're a grocer. And, and of course, our policies don't know how to mix things very well and say you can be both. So it's, it's a lot of adjusting regulations. Well, that's where you come in because you guys get to change the regulations if they're municipal. Exactly. Exactly. It takes it takes a bit longer than I would like sometimes, but yeah, you have to put you have to push. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting us know about that, and then the opportunity for us to weigh our voices in because one of the purposes for our group is really powered by age age friendly city, and the podcast is to help create uh, have have let seniors have a voice in what would make an age-friendly city and to have a voice in the city plan. So any ways that you can help us to uh, see that we can either through our programming or through individuals calling or writing in, uh, we'd appreciate that because we do want to help design the city plan. Thank you, Charlotte. I appreciate that. And when I think that there are things at council that would be important for your group, I'd love to be able to reach out and let you know that things are coming up and share that with you. Okay, well, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Uh, Luke, did you have your hand up? Did you have something you wanted to ask? Yeah, I was just wondering um, how seriously commercial rent controls are being discussed within council. Um, well, within the commercial rent controls would be a provincial responsibility, um, not something necessarily from a le legislative point of view that council could control. One of the biggest things that this council has been advocating for to the province is something called split tax assessment. Mm -hmm. So for those small businesses um, where, and I don't know if everybody's familiar, but let's say you have a one or two story building and small businesses that are operating and they're not getting taxed on their current use, they're getting taxed on the potential use of a site. So if zoning happens and says, okay, you might just be a two story now, but you could put a 10 or 15 story building here, then they're getting taxed at that rate. No, no, no. And that's what makes everything very expensive for the small business. And so there is, an, there is a solution to it that's been identified. It's called split tax assessment. So you're only getting taxed on the actual use of it. And the tax gets redistributed amongst the whole class. Um, we can't make that change ourselves. The province can. And we've been fighting really hard for that one, tooth and nail. And I think that would make the biggest difference in terms of the bottom line for businesses versus mm -hmm. the rent control because the problem is that the rents are too high to start with. Yeah. Does that does that kind of make sense? Yeah. yeah. Again, I want to thank you for spending time with us. You're welcome to stay, but I know you might have to go. So thank you I'll, so much. I'll, I'll listen in for a few minutes and before I pop off, if that's okay with everybody. Okay. Yeah. Is that all right? That's yeah, wonderful. I, I, hope you, okay. I hope you can stay because next up is Neil with his poem. Oh, which great. Is, yeah, it's um, it, it's right, uh, right on point. Right about what we're talking about here. The, Perfect. The demise of the of the corner grocery stores. So um, Neil is well known to uh, most of the participants here, and he is uh, one of some very talented, powered by age in-house poets that we have, and we're lucky that we have a lot. Anyway, um, I let. Neil introduce his own poem and enjoy. So my apologies to Sarah. 
the poem is called Who Killed Mom and Pop? <laughs> Um, I was I, I I I was asked if I could comment on today's uh, something about food and uh, and the corner store and so <clears throat> I penned a little thing called Who Killed Mom and Pop? Who killed Mom and Pop? I did, you did, we all did. Was it the greed of the corporations? Was it the misdirection uh, of ads aimed at the innocent blank mind children's? Was it the energy inspired post-war trauma expressing itself? Who killed mom and pop? I did, you did, we all did. The horse-drawn wagon delivered milk in a bottle to our back door. If you stirred it, you got whole milk or poured off the cream, you got skim. But now it's 10 kinds of milk, whole milk, homogenized, organic, fat-free, 1%, 2%, flavored, lactose-free, and all in three different sizes. Who killed mom and pop? You did, I did, and the minute I get the poem to <laughs> my, my, uh, my, there's an Instagram opening somewhere down in the bottom that's taken taken over my screen. So let me, am I again? Oh, here we are, finally. <clears throat> okay, all in three different sizes. Who killed mom and pop? I did, you did, we all did. Oat milk, cashew milk, almond milk, coconut milk, rice milk, or just plain soy poured over 28, 38 kinds of breakfast cereal and drank along with seven varieties of bacon and six kinds of eggs, all in small, medium, and large. Can I supersize these, these fries for you, sir? Who killed mom and pop? I did, you did, we all did. It was 18 loaves of bread, each in different texture, each one a different flavor with delivery of a just cooked pizza in a box and fresh strawberries at Christmas. It is quick, live your life before it passes by and I'll have more of whatever it is you're serving. Who killed mom and pop? I did, you did, we all did. Was it the prosperity and the proliferation of choice? Was it the bye, bye, bye message to remind us of how much more there is to have? Was it the floor space rent or the regulations and the cost of a slow moving inventory? Who killed mom and pop? I did, and you did, we all did. In search for the material Eden, we accidentally wrote a new society that so bedazzled us by a bright and shiny world of affluence and choice that we no longer needed a mom and pop. So we never really noticed their passing. Thank you. Wow, that was great. Thank yeah, you, Neil. Really, really good. Thank you so much, Neil. Um, certainly um, gave us food for thought. Get it, get it, get it? Food for thought, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> no. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you very much, Neil. That, that was absolutely My pleasure. great. Um, I, uh, I don't know if Anthony is, um, has arrived yet. Is he online? Is he waiting to get in or no? We don't see his number. I'd like to interject um, that Judith Rainey contacted uh, our council, I, mean, I almost said councilwoman, our counselor, <laughs> and uh, we just want to show our appreciation to her. She was not well today, but uh, initiated uh, with a nice little letter that you answered. So thank you. <laughs> yes, Judith did the, the legwork, so it's really too bad that she couldn't be here to, to meet you and see you. Thank you very much. No worries. Do you record your podcast? Will she be able to watch it afterwards? Yes. Oh, okay. That's great. Yeah, I have another question for Kirby. Um, yeah, I used to live in South Vancouver, and I remember picking milk up at Avalon Dairies. It was the whole milk in the glass bottles. Are they still there? Do you know? That is a great question. <laughs> Mm. Um, I I actually don't know. Um, mm. I'd have to look it up. Yeah, it was kind of interesting because it was so surrounded by housing, and there was this sort of dairy right in the middle yeah. of the residential district. You know, you're not you're not the first person to have told me about Avalon um, mm. and talked about stories, but I'm I think they're still there. But mm. I would want to double check before well, committing company, to that. The company yeah. is still operating, so from yeah. where I'm not sure, but they still are. I, I buy their glass bottle stuff regularly. Oh, yeah. mm. I, um, my family is um, English. I came originally from there and we had a milkman. So uh, you would, uh, you would actually have the bottles and you get, yeah. like you said, you get that little bit on the top. Um, yeah. yeah. There's something nostalgic. It feels like real product in the glass. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Someone has entered the waiting room. Oh, that maybe is Anthony. So our next, next guest. Sarah, I'd be happy to forward that to you. Oh, I would love to. That was, I thought that was just fantastic. I loved that. That was, that was, you got, you have a very creative group and that was a, that was a really powerful poem. Thank you, Neil. Hello, uh, Anthony, are you there? Hi there, yes, can you hear me? So it's, it's my uh, I, pleasure now to introduce Anthony Kupferschmidt, who is the executive director of the West End Seniors Network, of which I am a very proud member. And um, Wesson is also one of the sponsors of this podcast. I'll just add that. Um, so just jump right in there, Anthony. It's no secret that COVID-19 has certainly increased anxiety around food issues for seniors. Mm -hmm. So I'm really impressed to hear what Wesson's ramped up um, response has been um, to address food insecurity. So um, tell us a bit about what Wesson is doing these days. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you today. Yes, and the West End Seniors Network, or Wesson as we're affectionately known, is just so proud to partner with the 411 Senior Center, one of our partners of the Alliance of Senior Centers of BC on, you know, on the Powered uh, by Age podcast. It's, it's amazing. Um, I'll just briefly share a little bit about our organization. We're, um, we're the second largest independent senior center in Vancouver. 
Uh, we provide more than 70 different social, recreational, educational, and supportive programs and services uh, for adults 55 years of age and older. Uh, we have three locations, and we predominantly serve the West End, Coal Harbor, and Yale Town neighborhoods of Vancouver, but our membership comes from across the Lower Mainland. Um, you are, you're absolutely right that COVID-19 has definitely shone a light on the issues of food insecurity. And uh, many locations where older adults could access free meals uh, have been closed. Uh, and others who, um, you know, for older adults who could no longer safely leave their homes, uh, they found themselves without access to nutritious food in many cases. Um, we were uh, honored to be named by the Ministry of Health as uh, one of uh, the community response hub agencies around the province uh, for older adults remaining safe at home uh, during uh, COVID-19. And um, we quickly enhanced some of our existing services and added new food-related services uh, with support from the United Way of the Lower Mainland, uh, Vancouver Coastal Health, and the Vancouver Foundation. Um, so, for example, we scaled up our Life Unlimited grocery shopping and delivery service uh, in partnership with two different grocery stores to serve about 100 older adults per week. The demand for that service absolutely skyrocketed, as you can imagine. Um, we also partnered with Gordon Neighborhood House and uh, Shift Delivery Co-op uh, to launch a new prepared meal delivery service for older adults on a pay-what-you-can basis. Um, I'm really proud that despite the pressure we were under to meet the needs of our community, uh, for our existing services, we were also able to create new services like this in response. Um, many older adults also found themselves financially impacted by this crisis. Uh, so a grocery shopping and delivery service really only works when an individual can pay for the groceries, right? Um, but with support from funders like uh, Help Age Canada and the Community Food Centers of Canada, uh, we were able to offset the cost of groceries uh, for low-income older adults. Um, Another major blow that happened in our neighborhood uh, was that the local food hub location uh, run by the Greater Vancouver Food Bank closed uh, very shortly after this crisis began. And so in response, we began picking up packages from the food bank and delivering them to low-income older adults. So, I mean, it, it's, it's been a very rewarding time to be working in the senior serving sector. And, you know, we're honored to have done what we could to meet the food needs of older adults during COVID-19. Yes. Are, are some of these... Um initiative sort of temporary um i know that you suspended some services um to attend to the the food distribution etc mm -hmm. so um will the the partnership with gordon neighborhood house actually end um, at some point I, I think that is a million dollar question, and I, and I kind of mean that as a pun because, of course, dollars are a factor, right? Um, our hope, uh, certainly our grocery shopping and delivery service is one that already existed uh, pre-COVID, and we aim to, to maintain it, and this was a good opportunity to test exactly what its capacity was. Um, the prepared meal delivery service, uh, like I said, is a new partnership. Um, uh, with uh, dollars from the Ministry of Health through the United Way uh, of the Lower Mainland. We, um, through their Safe Seniors Strong Communities uh, initiative, and we're, we're optimistic that this is something we will be able to continue. There's certainly a commitment to work to maintain that service uh, for the next, uh, into, into 2021, you know, certainly in anticipation of the possibility of a second wave. Uh, beyond that, I would say there's still conversations to be had, but uh, but it's worked so well that we would like to try to commit to uh, to keeping that going um, for as for as long as we can. Sure, sure. Yeah. 
Um, Anthony, are you able to take a question uh, or two? I know that you have to dash off. You have another. Um, you, you have all. I, I would love to answer any questions that there are. It would it would be my pleasure. Uh, I can't show up a little bit late for one for one commitment and then not be late to the next one. So it's we'll just pass it on down the chain. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, if anyone has a question for Anthony, just feel free. Councillor, is it all right if I ask one? Yeah. <laughs> is, is, is that Councillor Kirby Young? Hi there. Hi, yes, hi. Love, lovely to hear your voice. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Thank you. And you? Same. Um, it's, been a it's been a while. Um, I have a question because you had mentioned the food bank. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that we got quite a lot of feedback um, over the challenges because of the food bank requirements for people mm -hmm. yep. for having to sign up and register and just their process around demonstrating yeah. need. So that was yeah. one part of what we heard. Mm -hmm. And the second part just being about having less hubs um, and yeah. having them sort of more centralized and I know the food bank was going through some transformation and challenges but yes. it seemed to be the combination of the difficulty in signing up so to speak and qualifying as well as not having them very many hubs in different neighborhoods is that what you were hearing as well I'm curious yeah, to know that is, that is what we're hearing and that was that was part of our experience uh, my understanding was there were you know there were some changes and and challenges percolating around uh, around some issues of uh, access and means testing uh, for the food bank um, and uh, you know the value of having the local food hubs in communities mean that you know older adults who may face uh, mobility limitations or or other challenges uh, could access fresh and nutritious food right in their neighborhood without having to uh, you know get on a bus and potentially expose themselves uh, to COVID-19. So uh, our neighborhood is one of those uh, the West End that was particularly impacted by uh, by the loss of that local Food Hub. We've tried to adapt to it as best we can, and being named one of these um, the community response agencies uh, for older adults has positioned us to better try to respond to that need that emerged. Uh, I would say there's still ongoing challenge uh, and discussions, you know, to be had about how best to uh, to meet that need uh, for emergency food access uh, for low in low income seniors in in our community. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. And one quick yeah. follow up, if I can. Um, is I wonder if you can comment because I know that you run your own programs, but I think about the Vancouver, uh, the community centers across Vancouver that closed, yeah. and a yeah. lot of them offered hot lunch programs for seniors. Yeah. Um, and I know that people have been trying through these different programs to try to fill the gap, but it wasn't just about food, it was a lot about social connection. So I think Absolutely. like South Vancouver seniors um, and the new yeah. senior center that finally managed to open after so long. Um, yeah being planned and we have some budget challenges right now that councillor are talking about. We talked about budget yeah. yesterday and one of the things that I'm fighting for and I'm concerned about is reopening of community centers in all our neighborhoods because we have a financial shortfall honestly but I'm wondering if you're hearing what you're hearing or you have commentary or any of the folks on the call today around the role that those lunch programs play to um, for seniors. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if other people have comments, but I, I would just be happy to say that, uh, you know, that, that is a, that's definitely a concern in, in our neighborhood. Uh, Gordon Neighborhood House, the local neighborhood house, was really serving as that, uh, that hub for prepared meals. I, think, uh, I believe they had a daily lunch service, and many older adults who were also members of the West End Seniors Network, they, they would come to our Barclay Manor location, uh, you know, in partnership with the Parks Board and the West End Community Center Association in the morning, but then they'd go over to Gordon House for lunch. 
right? So, so the loss of that, of that hot meal program is definitely one of the things that we felt. Thankfully, we've been able to pivot to this, to this prepared meal delivery service to meet some of that need, but, but we, you know, we don't believe that we're, we're reaching everybody who would really benefit. Okay. I'm worried about the social isolation as well. That, that's, a, that's a big piece. Of course, you know, we've been able to pivot many of our social programs to virtual or online, but that doesn't really work for everyone. So the loss of these physical meeting spaces, and we all know that food brings people together, right, uh, has impacted those sort of social connections that are, that are so vital uh, for older adults right now. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. your thoughts. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. At the 411 Center, all of the programs, there were snacks available coffee, yeah. tea, chocolate, snacks, and a food pantry. And then periodically there was a meal when there was a town hall meeting, et cetera. But the social gathering, we're calling some people uh, that signed up to take part in our program when we were doing the podcast from the center. And some are just tearful that they either can't afford uh, to have data on their phone or they can't afford the internet costs to be on the virtual media. So we really need to have ways to still make it possible for people to come somewhere to eat or you know have the social gathering along with food Ab absolutely yeah and even even those snacks are are a real loss you know that are being felt we just yesterday officially reopened our uh case place uh drop-in location in the Denman place mall uh and that was a major hub for people to come for coffee and cookies and snacks and just to rest you know with their groceries coming from the low-cost grocery store before they go home and we're reopened but with the physical distancing guidelines you know, we and, and everything. We don't. There's no newspaper. There's there's no there's no snacks. There's none of that, right? So uh, the feeling is not quite the same, and the, those mm -hmm. social connections are not happening around food in the same way. Sophie, that might be a good point for the segue into mindful eating. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, our our final and thank you very much, uh, Anthony, for for coming to talk to us today. And we my will, pleasure. Uh, we'll move right into our last. Um, presentation now by our very own podcast member, Emily She. I hope I said that correctly, Emily. Um, Emily's very accomplished. Um, yeah. There you go. That's her, that's her uh, latest book. Emily's going to give us the benefit of her um, experience um, on mindful eating. A few keys. So, when we get all of this nutritious food to make us healthy and we're sitting down to enjoy it, then what do we do? Emily, I'll let you take it away. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for everyone. Um, yeah, this book uh, is a, it's a mindful eating for vibrant living because I, I am a breast cancer survivor and also I'm a functional medicine health coach. So I did a lot of research and, doing a meditation prayer. So this book is really, uh, is from my heart, from my own healing experience. So uh, we just thought that usually we say we are what we eat, right? It's true, but not a whole story. Uh, from a functional medicine point of view, we are what we, we are what, not only what we eat, we are what we digest, we are what we absorb, we are what we convert, and also, what we retain in ourselves. So, and then how to achieve the best result of the uh, good digestion, good absorption, good conversion, and a good retention. So, I give you a very simple, uh, yeah, mindful eating, so now I call it, let's have a date with food. 
So when we're talking about uh, eating hygiene, maybe we say uh, what we eat, why we eat, uh, whom we eat with, and also how we eat and when we eat. But all this, uh, I call it the seven W's, but seven W's only how to eat is we can stand out the most. So um, I, I have a question. Have you ever wondered, uh, even though people live, uh, eat healthy, and live a healthy style, lifestyle, and also uh, doing healthy activity. But still, still the people encounter miserable. They encounter chronic, chronic illness, and also weight loss, resistance, thyroid problem, or a lot of problem. So, have you wondered why? Have you? I have. Right. Yes. Okay. So, actually, the key is reason is stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, there are so many factor, uh, uh, factors, but really, I want to talk about the stress. Um, so the stress really play a gigantic role in our optimal wellness and health. So now I want to guide you to uh, have a taste of neuroscience. Very simple. So in our, I have the book here. <laughs> here. So um, it's called means the central nervous system. It's control how stress affects our body, but also the central nervous system regulates the autonomic nervous system. So the uh, autonomic nervous system is in charge of digestion met metabolism. They are two branches. One is parasympathetic. <laughs> parasympathetic is uh, stress mode. And para uh, parasympathetic is a relaxing mode. So you heard stress mode and relaxing mode, you will know, notice that stress mode, so sympathetic, is uh, turn on the stress, but turn down the digestion. So the, our blood at the moment, at the time, and our blood flows from digestion and towards our arm and our feet. For what? For fly and fight. Fight and flight. To, uh, for survival, so for our run for our life. So about our brain, you know, we are, our life is really stressful because I want to focus on really be mindful during your eating, how to eat is very important. So in that time, we can um, let our body, the parasympathetic mode, the nervous system, will tell our body, hey, now you are safe, not running for your life. So relax, rest, and also, you know, you have a good digestion function. So now our body really relaxed. Oh, optimal health we really have to tame our stress strategically. So the truth is that uh, the slower we eat, the better our digestion is. The more relaxed we are, the more energy we have. Okay? So maybe a lot of people know this is a, a theory. So, okay. Now, let's see. I want to go to give you the tips. This is my last chapter, chapter 11, the simple eight. It's like eight tips. Um, they are like a three part, right? Before eating, um, during the eating, and the end of the closing the eating. But I want to give you eight tips. Number one, smile all the way. So when you smile, did you realize, what do you realize when you smile? When you smile, try, try to smile. Everyone's so serious, smile. So when you smile, your eyes really, you know, 
brighter. And also your muscle rosem, and also you just feel smile, you happy. And then naturally you are in hello simple happy now. Relax. Okay. So during meal, smile to yourself or to your partner or to your family to whenever you are sharing a meal with. Number two, atmosphere. Create a date feeling. I say, let's have a date with food. So like a dating. You had really, you know, had a best mood, a best, uh, you know, emotional situation, right? So make a setting like a sacred ritual, relaxing, restful, loving, and serene. So on the sunny day, maybe go to the park and then go, you know, maybe outdoor and go out in the nature. Dinner time, maybe you can set up a date. Maybe candlelight or soft music. No TV, no phone, no gossiping or computers. I know multitasking is really very, very norm. You know, in, in, this is a contemporary uh, uh, life. So this number three is the first one to two minutes. The grace and gratitude. Settle our mind and body and emotions and soul with a prayer, grace and gratitude. Align with the gratitude, love, joy, peace, and hope. Number four. So next two to three minutes, breathe three to five time. Keep breathing and focus on breathing in all the good and positive things. Of course, this seems lengthy, but actually when you practice, really, really, it's just a, you know, on the right track. So count your breathing. Six, one, two, three, four, five, six, and hold, and then seven. This is six, seven, eight. You can change it four, five, six. You know, you can have your own pace, right? So intentional, very important breathing is that intentional breathing increases oxygen intake. Oxygen enhances our metabolism. Like fullness, right? You have oxygen, it helps your digestion. and help you, yeah. And also, especially like a mitochondria, you know, create energy. You need a lot of oxygen. Number five, two, 20 to 30 times each bite, but depends on what kind of food. Yeah. Okay. So that your saliva work efficiently, you will better taste your food and have better digestion, experience better exercise for your jar and fish muscle. Yeah. I think we are human beings really created by God, really, really well designed, really uh, a miracle. So we had to, I, I'm sorry, I had to say I, I'm against the smoothie. Why? Because if you, you know, blend it all together to swallow, really against the nature of our body design. So we had to chew the food that is like would digest part of your food. And then you'll go down and then your body inside your gut will say, oh my goodness, I smell the food. Oh, food's coming. We'll get ready. Oh, sickly. Digestion, or maybe you know, uh, stomach acid, or all the, all the enzyme coming out. I'm happy. You're oh, coming. I'm going to do my work. I'm doing my work. So I did let that happen. <laughs> Remember, focus on one bite at a time. Number six, put down your fork when you are chewing. So we are chew mindfully and put down. Why we put down a fork? Eventually, when we have the fork in our hand or, or knife in our hand, we chop and cut in one bite. We're going to continue the second one, a third one, really not mindful at all, okay? So now you put down your fork and knife, focus on chewing, allow your five senses to dwell within the process. Five senses, you chew how to taste the texture of your food, 
maybe it doesn't taste better, maybe it's sweeter, or maybe, well, it just feels different, okay? But it takes time to practice. Eat a whole heartedly and quietly look into one another's eye. Now you had to show appreciation. The food, yummy, yummy. Mm, mm, mm. So it's a connection with your, your, your people you eat with. Number seven, quick. 20 minutes of quality time. Eat slowly and mindfully. Why? Because the brain takes about 15 to 20 minutes to get the message you are full. You're full from 15 to 20 minutes from your hunger and satiety hormones. Get the message. Neurotransmitter, you have to get a meter. All right, so 20, give it 20 minutes time, and then you will feel full, okay? Now, next one. And for 70 to 80% satisfied. Not the four, not 100% four, but this is my mom's tip for health and longevity. So either 84, 80% four, we feel energized, happy, and pleasure and fueled. Otherwise, we end up feeling heavy, tired, yeah. and overstuffed ourselves, right? So now, have a bonus of tips is that, um, like my client myself, you can play the um, mindful eating game with your family or, or you are in a party or whatever. You can make say, who is the slowest eater? Is the person gonna be the winner or whatever? You know, maybe you can chew and say, okay, all right, now, Maybe you, you can be the leader, say how many chewing time you have each bite. So I think this is a, this habit change and not take it right away, but it just really take a small step at a time. Yeah. So eight or nine tips, you can pick one or two, one week or two weeks. This is based on your pace. Okay, thank you very much. I hope everybody's really healthy, yeah, working you. on the mindful eating. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Emily, that was wonderful. Good tips. I'm going to try some of those. Yeah. <laughs> Any questions for Emily? The meal we managed to eat together was the evening meal, and even that was a challenge sometimes because everybody's sort of going at you know different paces and different routines. Right. So, yeah. So, what effect do you think that has had, Emily? Yes. But you know, you can encourage each person when they on their own, maybe at the work or sometimes here and there. I have. I really encourage my client, they say, you know, just one person, it's okay. You still enjoy yourself. It's just a play. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. And I, um, before we sign off, I just want to thank the, the team that put this um, show together. And that is Emily and Neil and... Um, Judith, who unfortunately is not here, and of course our mentor, Charlotte, without whom I don't know what would have happened. So thank you very much, Charlotte. Um, I want to thank you for your initial voyage. It's one of the first groups to, <laughs> to present. Uh, this group sent a lot of email, and they did make time to meet with each other. And... Uh, but the way it just works, whoever is the most excited person about a topic um, either has identified other people who've been on the podcast or they have names that they might own that are interested in that topic and a small group gets together so that everybody sees how their presentations kind of flow together. So thank you, Emily. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Sylvie. You did a wonderful job. And thank you, Judith, when you hear this podcast. Love. Hi.
Poem Time, Love Time, Poem Time.